0: But welcome to episode 14 of Coffee with the Johns. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you guys had an amazing Thanksgiving weekend. Um, yeah, it's, we, been, it's been we, two weeks. It's been two weeks, yeah. Mm-hmm. We didn't do Thanksgiving because of that. Uh, my, I had a Mac, and it decided to crash on me. Apparently, I was uh, pushing it a little bit too much and had to get a more powerful computer So I decided to switch over to windows and all the software changes when you switch from one to the other. So it's been a huge learning curve. Um, but here we are, hopefully everything works. Let me know in the chat, if, uh, you're hearing us fine, if everything's coming through. Okay. Um, if you can see us fine, all of that, please let me know. And, uh, how's your Thanksgiving, Mr. Bar?
1: It was great. Um, had some family, some friends over, and got together at uh, my girlfriend's parents' house, uh, and had a grand old time. Nice. So her sister came in, her sister and boyfriend came in from San Diego. So the entire week, we're not entire week, but uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we were hanging out with uh, with them.
0: Okay. And kind of showing them around San Antonio. Did you so, Did you abide by the curfew? Make sure not to be outside after ten p.m. Yes. Good. Good. My my family was actually very nervous. Um, oh, really? they, they came over and we were, they were over until like about like nine 45 ish. And then all of a sudden like, they're like, uh, so I, should we start heading home? Or are we going to get pulled over? <laughs> my sister-in-law comes out and she's like, yeah, I heard that they're giving like thousand dollar fines for anybody that they catch on the road. I'm like all right yeah, okay. i don't like think we're going sick. that far it was
1: it, yeah you just couldn't be at a bar or restaurant or place of congregation after 10 p.m so like you couldn't be like your entire family in a park or something right. like that it wasn't like okay you're driving on the road at 10 o'clock by yourself like no it's not that kind of martial law curfew i
0: mean yeah is the chat working are you able to comment uh it's working yeah. are you, is anybody chatting because i'm not seeing anything uh, you're good all right. Well, it's taking a minute for people to get over this. No, no, I get it. I, I'm just not seeing anything. Did you see the one that I posted? Join the convo. I I don't know why I'm, yeah. I'm not seeing any of the chat. So that's always good, right? The person that's doing it not seeing the information. Yeah. That's always good. All right, YouTube, you're awesome. Um. And everyone says streaming will be easy. Oh yeah, you should do this part time. You know, and everybody's like, oh, I was thinking about starting you know, a, a YouTube channel and like doing this. I'm like, well, oh, good luck you know i don't i don't wish anybody any bad or anything it's just like it's not a simple yeah, if you see
1: the pictures i post in the morning uh it's like we got p- like three cameras we got cables running over we got power cords we got lighting we got computers we got just stuff strung all over the place behind the tv and everything that you guys can't see uh oh there's
0: a full audience i mean it's insane <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get into it so we got a lot to cover sorry yes. for the the little rant and everything it's it was intentional trying to give some people more Sometimes. time to jump on and see the the links and everything. Um, but we do have a lot to cover. We have a lot in real estate. Uh, we promise we're not going to be talking about politics anymore. Just That's kidding. A lie. Of course we <laughs> are. Can't. Why, why, why love, don't we talk about it? I would love it? not to, but it's kind of like well, this is a business podcast.
1: Politics kind of uh, take over the news and well, oh, especially in your with
0: the crazy things that they're doing i mean how do you not talk about it i mean no, we, we were just cracking up what was it before thanksgiving uh your your idol um what's uh, the guy from california Newsom. newsome yeah you're you know the guy that you want to grow up to be when you get yeah, older yeah it, all the laws everything that he's passing in he california and then he has a huge party with like you know yeah yeah with nobody birthday party yeah i was like well that's and people are astonished i was like but that's what politicians do do what i say not what i do right and i'm like it's it's just hilarious because people flip their shit they got upset you know and it's a it's just i don't know just kind of funny but a lot of a lot of things were going on in the news as far as the more lockdowns more city oh
1: I just know as I look at it, I'm looking at myself and filming myself talking to myself like four computer screens deep.
0: There we go. <laughs> there
2: we
0: go. Yeah, don't text me. I don't have my phone. It's... Okay, so let's get let's go ahead and get started in this. Uh... So so what do what are we tackling first? What do you want to hit? Uh, we have hit real estate. estate we first.
1: Have... huh? Real estate first. I mean, we're real estate people. It's what we do. It's what we love. It's our passion. We spend all day doing it. So let's talk about real estate first. Because it's actually like you look at this economy and it's actually one of the bright spots of this economy that is actually booming and doing very well. It's having its challenges, but it's challenges not from a lending standpoint that real estate's crashing. No, real estate's actually rising extremely quickly just for the fact that there's no inventory. And Uh, the first topic is mortgage rates fall to a new record low of 2.71. So the average us mortgage rate for a 30 year fixed loan fell one basis point this week to 2.71. Fannie Max said in report Thursday, the lowest rate in the survey near 50 year history. This week's rate broke the previous record set on November 19th. The average fixed rate for 15 year mortgage fell to 2.26 from 228 that's something that's just insane. They wonder like, well, why is housing prices going up so fast? It's like, well, when mortgage rates drop, housing prices rise in equally, like you're not adding extra value to the economy values are going up because mortgage rates are going down, which allows people to afford more. Right. So, um, their chief economist is named Sam Qatar, uh, is quoted saying while home buyer appetite remains robust, the scarce inventory has effectively put a limit on how much higher sales can increase. Unfortunately, the record low supply combined with strong demands means home prices are rapidly accelerating and eroding the benefit of low mortgage rate environment. So that's just basically saying that even though mortgage rates are super low, it's, there's no inventory. So it's pushing prices up at a very fast, fast rate, like no. six, seven, eight percent like sometimes in some areas, month over month. And it's eliminating the benefit of getting a low mortgage, lowering your payments because prices are just going up that fast. If you're trying to buy a new home,
0: just because there's no inventory on the market. Well, so kind of hitting on that point a little bit, you put out the market update last week yeah. and we saw a big change in a price point. What was that about?
1: I don't know. Cause it's one of those, that I'm looking back over the data and, uh, we all, we rely on data that's posted publicly on right. e- others. And I put it all in one place, but some of it, there's some discrepancies. Uh, I'm thinking something got off, uh, not posted properly that we made the data off of, but it, what it did show. And, uh, it was concerning is the price point of like 200 to 250,000. I believe it was had a massive increase in inventory on the market. For what had sold, so that would be good news. I mean, it was still below your uh, equilibrium, but it did show that housing prices had an or inventory started to decrease in that price point. So it's kind of like, huh? Oh, we will have
2: to
0: definitely so, keep an eye on that. So you, you're, but you're leaning more towards that there was a glitch. That yeah, something got misreported or some data didn't come through because you don't feel that that's yeah, because it, it was just, such it a was, huge.
1: Yeah, because it's one of those increase. that, like in the economic environment, if that did happen, it's one of those like, whoa, I could see that happening in with all the things going on in the economy right now. So it's kind of one of those that like, I'm going to dig into this a little bit to make sure like, is this right? Yeah, because if it's not, if it's right, it's like, ooh, that's a uh, that's not good because it went from like two months of inventory up to like five months of inventory in a certain price point so when i looked into that it, it, i saw some data that doesn't look like it came across correctly i can't go mm. back and get it anymore because it's not there um or be a lot harder to get but it's one of the things i'm definitely going to be watching moving forward of is this can does this continue because yeah. if it continues it's like okay this wasn't a one-month fluke uh would, that would say like next month when i should actually have the data here in the next couple of days and know, um all right that was a fluke or it's persisting for a second month it's like
0: okay one month. All right. Two months. It's like, no, I think something might actually be happening here. So, so, I mean, if you guys want to see that market update, John does an excellent job every single month. It's uh, I put the link in the chat for you guys and it's also going to be linked, uh, in the description after the live. So make sure to check it out. But yes, Molly, John is always cold. You should know this. I was actually gonna, you know, that's a good point. So a little segue on that is, I'm asking for donations. I want to get John a very nice snuggie, you know, something that can keep him nice and warm because he freezes during the winter months. No, I just got a space (laughs) for 20 bucks to put up my office. So you you should see the whole contraption underneath the table just so he can stay in room temperature. Oh, uh... is is that it? Is that it? all right
1: uh, so what's next so um so the caveat to that that uh they're saying the 2021 market is expected to be extremely strong so even with low inventory and uh, this is a article from housing wire so even prior to the pandemic housing inventory had hit record lows and the problem has only gotten worse as demand continues to rise total home sales are outpacing new listings by a wide margin every month and real estate tech company HomeSnap home snap for foresees the shortage shortage continuing into 2021, unless more sellers enter the market. this is where it it was crazy to me. The divide between supply and demand is striking compared to last year. Total new listings increased by 0.22% while Total sales increased by 19.29%. So new listings only up a quarter percent new solds up 20%. So mm-hmm. it's just absolutely just draining the inventory from the market, and it's pushing would-be home buyers out of the market because the inventory is so low that they can't find houses that they do want. There's like everything on the market kind of a piece of crap. Like, it, like I don't want to pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars for something. I still got to sink another forty thousand dollars into to update the thing.
0: So well, it's pushing I mean, home buyers out it's of the market. Also, it's also kind of how what we've been noticing with some of the properties that we've been looking at is, you know, we're. we're we're kind of gauging the repairs that we would have normally done how they're not necessarily the repairs that we would do now because we're seeing such low inventory and there isn't enough of a margin or even a need to spend that level of money because people just want a house that has maybe the room or the yard or the location that, you know, we sold that one house and, uh, we did a video on it, the 40 grand that we made in a week because that house we didn't touch anything and yet it's a livable house of course and it's dated but it's sold the same day and now and we're seeing that across the board and i think that's something very important for investors to keep in mind that's like just because you used to buy a house and do a full update on them like you gotta understand the market that you're in not every market requires it's it's brought
1: a lot of people into our business of wanting to buy so it's pushed up our prices that we try to buy a house at so it makes it very difficult where you have to be fluid with the market and shift your strategy be watching what's going on so now it's like hey uh as long as the kitchen isn't broken or the cabinets aren't just like destroyed like if they can close it's like people will buy the houses so that means you can your margins still get squeezed on the sale because you still have to pay such a high price to buy the house but it's one of those that you just got to keep in mind long term moving through the project of just like you know what? I don't need to do all this stuff anymore because the market is bearing these costs because there's no inventory.
0: And well, it, so that's something well, we you have, have to... Kim here that she asks, is this driving the repair cost up? No, um, oh, I think it's driving down because you yeah, don't have to do the repairs. It, that's, so the, what's driving repair costs or what was driving repair costs up, I mean, we haven't really done a full repair in, in quite some time, <laughs> is uh, the the amount of work that's out there. Uh, there's contractors that they're just charging more money, uh, because they they have been swamped with work. But you know that that's pretty much what you're gonna see as far as repair costs and then material costs. You know we have seen a huge uh interruption in supply line in supply chains for materials for everything like that, and that's been causing plywood, um, uh, two by fours, sheetrock, everything to go up, which costs more to renovate houses. So you add all that rise in, you know, labor, materials, and then you add the demand for homes and it's like, well, I got to spend more, you know, 15 to 20% more perhaps on a rehab that I would have done before, and now I don't even need to do the rehab at all. Mm-hmm. So, it's do you feel that this kind of dynamic is going to put worse product on the
1: market? Oh yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, and the, and, and, and at higher prices, all uh, right. for just because there's no demand. I mean, when we listed that house, we had three offers. Like we weren't expecting to get an offer at all. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like three full price. We, offers. Had, we had contingency. Oh, we'll drop to this.
0: And then we'll drop. Yeah. To this. It's, and like, it's like, we'll
1: take like an extra 20 grand less. We'll probably still sell it if somebody offered, but no full price, two full price offers a third one that came in at a little less of like even higher than what we were willing to walk away from it at. And we didn't do any repairs. Yeah. Um, Tommy puts in here, he's following our advice at, uh, for one, two, two, one, four Lone shadow and live Oak, low touch rehab and retail. It's kind of funny. We actually did a house two years ago on Lone shadow. Uh, yeah. So I'm very familiar with the area. Uh, but that, I mean, that is what I think is driving. It's going to drive worse product to the market at a higher price. Yeah. But the problem is it's just, it's not there. I mean, there's no inventory coming to the market to say, you can't get away with that. So if you want, it's going to push home buyers out of the market is what it's going to do. It's like, I'm just, I can, because I can rent something now because rents aren't going up as fast as home prices to where I can rent something for 1600 bucks that has all the amenities I want, or I have to pay for mortgage payment. I have 1600 bucks. I own a house. Yes. But, the things dated i don't have a pool i got to make repairs i still got to sink money into it the roof's old the AC's old the, the paint colors are nasty it's tile floor that are, is dated to where i think it, that's where you'll see the kind of things level off and until more inventory better inventory can hit the market you're going to see stuff uh
0: well, and, continue then, to do and that. and that's also a thing that more inventory hitting in the market i mean we have seen more sellers come into the market we have seen you know in your previous market update um you we've had seen that there's been more sales because more sellers are selling their homes. Yeah, Right. And so the inventory had gone up, but there's still even more buyers. And that's the
1: problem is an inventory is rising, but the the new home buyers are are rising. Yeah. Tenfold over what I mean, I mean a hundred times more. I mean, you're looking at a quarter percent in new listings, but then total sales up twenty percent.
0: I mean, that's a huge demand that's going to suck that inventory down. So, so, so what's a what's a play for investors on all this? What, what what's your recommendation recommendations?
1: Though? It's really we'll it, well, put you on the spot. <laughs> well, no, it's like what's the recommendation? It's like you just need to understand the market. To, uh, of what's going on to where right. like, I don't think it's going to reverse. We're not, I don't think we're going to have a foreclosure crisis because with this much buyer demand, if somebody needs to get out of their house and they have the equity to get out of the house, they can, right. so they can sell their house and it, it's gone like that. So you're not going to be able to scoop up cheap properties all over the place unless economics or uh, the economic environment deteriorates further. Well,
0: but, and, and to kind of hit on, on that point, you know, we'll just jump an article and then we'll go back. But you know, the FHFA, Extends foreclosures and evictions on moratoriums. Until the end of January, right? Until the end of January. So you have, now, you know, this is the stuff that we talked about plenty of times when we see investors, mostly wholesalers, that are trying to like anticipate a crash, right? They're trying to anticipate when are the foreclosures coming back? Everybody wants foreclosures to come back. It's actually kind of funny in a way that's like, you don't understand the implications of foreclosures coming back. Like you think, Oh, foreclosures are coming back. So yay. We're, you know, we're going to get to crush it again. And it's like if foreclosures are coming back, we have an economic crisis. Yeah. You understand? That's like your buyer pool dwindles tremendously. Like it's not as simple as you think. Yes. That is a time when you pick up amazing deals, but the savvy investors, are very hard to find it during those times, you know, the investors that have the capital or access to the capital yeah. to pick up all those foreclosures are hard to find. So all the, all the novice investors that are right now buying all the crap that wholesalers are putting out, they go away mm-hmm. because they usually get either wiped out because of whatever the economic crisis is, or they just get scared. You know, they probably lost their ass on a few deals because if foreclosures are coming back, there's probably prices are probably starting to level off. You're not getting this appreciation. A lot of things. So when people are begging for foreclosures, they don't understand, I believe, the implications of all this. And then added to that, when you're trying to predict it, like you and I have spoken about a bunch of times is that we don't know what the hell the government's going to do. Yeah. But what we can pretty sure bet on is that they're not going to let the housing market crash. And that's what they've been proving. Yeah. Time and time again that they extend the moratoriums. They extend the 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 help. You know, you have FHA so they're doing that, right? FHA um is extending F H F A, not F H A. They're extending it because they're saying, you know, ho- uh, homeowners need to be Feeling okay. They need to feel confident that everything is going to be fine. So, we're extending that. And that's also, which I didn't know this before, maybe you did, but that is also an extension applies to real estate owned properties. So, the REOs that people always talk about, marketing and everything, REOs, uh, REOs they're bank owned property. So, mm-hmm. when a bank forecloses, so foreclosures are still happening. So, let's say you didn't file for, um, forbearance or any type of help and you get foreclosed on yeah this moratorium actually goes to the bank where they can they can foreclose on you and take the house back but they can't kick you out so if you're the homeowner you know i didn't yeah. know this i didn't know that that was the you know i didn't know that that until was happening the moratorium ends. and it, well, yeah they say they're extending that this also applies so until the end of january so i didn't know yeah. it even applied in the beginning but so pretty much a bank comes in they foreclose on you but they can't kick you out. Yeah. They can't evict you. Right. So now like this is, this is nuts, you know, and, and I'm not saying nuts in uh in a way that like they shouldn't be doing this, but I'm saying nuts in a way that, so we have people that haven't been making their payments. That affects the banks, the, the people that are holding those loans. They haven't been making payments. Now they get foreclosed on and the banks can't sell the house because they can't get rid of the
1: borrower. Well, it's so, just like an evict somebody that's renting to a tenant that quits paying you
0: can't evict them so right it's the same thing. yeah because it's the the whole eviction shit. yeah yeah you threw me off i was like wait what we're not talking about tenants <laughs> <laughs>
1: but i mean yeah. the fhfa the the, one, the article we kind of skipped over it's no surprise that uh home prices have drastically increased that now the fha raises loan limit by nearly 25,000 and that's basically like you can't get an FHA loan on a $1 million house. Yeah. So they've now raised that to $356,000 up 25 roughly 25 grand from the 331 that it was uh last year. Uh, so that's an, a byproduct of these low interest rates and this housing boom we're having that uh they have to increase that as well. And I mean really what's the end of it? It's like inventory has to, or the only way it can solve itself and normalize is more inventory needs to come to the market or well I mean that's the only way it can, or buyers leave. Well right now with these super low mortgage rates we nobody's really talking about any kind of mortgage rates rising anytime soon and the regulatory burden of home builders to build homes is extremely high. So they it's kind of like you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. It's like it could be this way for quite some time until something happens. I don't see them taking the regulatory burden down off of builders going backwards on the regulations they put on them and the cost to build a home. So the really the only way is interest rates have to rise and that drives buyers out, or there's just so little inventory that buyers get burned out. But even then it's like a good house gets put on the market and the rest is trash. That good house is going to be gone in no yep. time flat. So it, it, I mean, it's a good time to be a home owner. It's difficult
0: to buy property right now because I mean, uh well, a homeowner, in what regard? Like we just talked about, how it sucks to be a homeowner if you're buying, you're paying the prices that you're paying for a house that does need I maybe a
1: homeowner, not a home buyer. Difference. I was uh, meaning like okay, it's not a okay. good time to be so a, a buyer. not a new homeowner. No, yeah, it's somebody that's like owns a homes, lived in there for a couple of years, and even I gotcha. even I got gotcha. you, like, because I'm sure you. Well, could, if you would have
0: bought a house pre-COVID, um you'd be fine because yeah. pre COVID we were updating I mean, all you're, of our houses to a
1: 10% extent. increase year right. over year on, on stuff. So yeah, it's, it's basically a good time to be like a homeowner that already owns homes. I mean, it's difficult to be a buyer right now because inventory is so, so low uh, that if you're an investor trying to find property, it's very difficult. I mean, capital asset pricing model put on here. So if, so if one can low touch rehab and retail, does that mean that an investor on average will have to purchase a distressed property at a higher price? Yes. That's exactly what that means to where, and you have to be very cautious doing that because if the market does reverse, yeah. what are you going to do? Because now you paid a high price prices came down because your margins are squeezed that, uh, if three to six months go down the road and, and then things change drastically, you're kind of stuck with the property at that time. So that makes it very difficult. So you have to be more due diligence when if you're just going to do a light touch rehab, you need to be very careful of what it is that you are buying to make sure that you don't turn into somebody like, uh, Tommy says, little capital to control the home, leverage landlords with little cash to address deferred maintenance. Well, or if you so, turn into a property, it doesn't cash flow, And then you're stuck with this property. That's just, you can't sell it because you bought it too high. Even though you rent it, there isn't a cash flow to work on these deferred maintenance. And, and it, it sucks
0: that we met with an investor this week, right? Um, he came by, he, but he just came across us, uh, I believe like a few weeks ago, a month ago or so, and he bought a rental property. And then he, he sent me an email he's like, Hey, I would love for you to let me know, you know, what do you think about this property I bought? First thing, I mean, granted the guy didn't know who we were or anything, but one thing that we always say is ask for advice before you buy the house. Not. Nah. After after you bought it, you kind of you're in it now. Yeah. Um, but he sent me all the information. Uh, it's way outside on the west uh, West Texas. Oh, you say West San Antonio, like dude, bro? It's like way. No, less. no, it's West Texas. So I don't know the area very well. So he sent me all the information, and I'm just looking at just the numbers that he sent me. And it's exactly the scenario that you're talking about, right? He the house is appraised, I don't remember exact numbers, but it was like appraised at one forty. He paid like one thirty for it. It needs work. Um, rents, he got a property manager, he said uh the property manager estimated rents between nine hundred and a thousand.
1: I'm like
0: Well it's only a town uh, of like
1: fifteen thousand people too.
0: Yeah, but I'm like nine hundred and a thousand, that's that's a big range. I was like, nine that's ten percent, you know. Difference for if you're renting at a thousand dollars, like at, usually when we estimate our our rents, we're like, you know, fifty dollars or twenty five dollars. Yeah. Like yeah, maybe we can push fifty or twenty five dollars. We're not estimating rents like oh it could be a hundred dollars more. It's like well you know you got to nail nail that down. So as I'm looking at what his P I T I right his principal interest taxes and insurance are, and what the possible cash flow is, I was like you can't even afford the property manager. I was like, with the property manager, you're barely breaking even if that, and that's not even to talk about you know, anything happens to the property or you have a turnover or anything like that. So he's like, So what do I do? I'm like, well, you're in it now. And this is something that he says, so I did bad. I'm like, well, okay. I can't say you did bad because real estate, and this is something that we always say, you know, real estate over the course of 10 years always goes up. If you have a loan on it and you've had it rented out. The loan's been big getting paid down. You build up equity. Um, you've hopefully gotten any level of appreciation, even in, you know, where the hell ever this property is in West Texas, there's still gotta be some form of appreciation, especially with inflation alone. Well, and so, even then, you have the option to switch into owner finance. You have other
1: creative strategies you can well, do, no,
0: but beyond that, what, what I'm saying, like just as a rental, just in the rental space of itself is just saying, you know, If you hold it long enough, it'll eventually make sense. Mm -hmm. Right. But did you do a bad job? It's not something I would have bought. Right. But it's what we talk about. We've had investors that they have their style of investing. We've worked with investors that they want damn near brand new houses. They don't even care if it cash flows because they have reserves. They understand the things they just want a house that for the next 10 years, they don't got to put a dime into it. Mm -hmm. It's in a great area. It's a great house. It's brand new you know, it's at a, at a rent market. Well, they have the capital
1: reserves. Like say my, I have enough income coming from somewhere that the opportunity cost right. of just sitting in a bank, isn't worth it. At least this way I can put it into a brand new house. My risk level is extremely low. There's a chance of a future appreciation. The cash is coming back with some form of yeah. return to where it's like, it so, doesn't make sense.
0: So you have those investors and then you have other investors like us, right? That we want at least 20% equity after it's renovated, right? When yeah. it's ready to go, we want at least 20% equity. We want, you know, three, $400 in cash flow. We'll take a little less, depending if there's appreciation, whatever we see on the market, you know, but that's the other end, right? So I'm like, you got to figure out what type of investor you are. If you have the capital and everything, by all means. I don't think that those investors that buy with a little equity and little cash flow are stupid by any means. Like that's their strategy. There's people that build massive portfolios doing that. You understand? So it's like you got to figure out. Obviously, the the vibe that I think we both got from him is that he regretted buying it. You know, because he realized that's like, yeah, I'm not trying to do that kind of investing because you know maybe he doesn't afford it that's not the type that he wants but the point to all of this is that you still have to be careful but you have to figure out what your strategy is yeah. while yes in theory we're all saying we all want 20 plus percent equity we all want 400 dollars cash flow A hundred percent. But you got to be a real investor, a full-time investor, to find those deals. You got to be able to find lucrative deals. You got to be able to manage renovations to keep that cost down. You got to be able to manage the property, understand uh, property managers. You know, you got to be very, very well educated in the real estate space in order to get that. And if you're not, it's okay. Now figure out where you need to come in. Right.
1: So Andrew Middlestap puts in here is like if covid-19 Andrew! Ha- <laughs> If covid-19 has taught me anything, it's cemented the fact that cash and cash flow is king and equity doesn't pay the bills. It only helps if you can hang on to on for that the long term. Cuz it's right like yes, 100%. we're all if you own a house like you're building great equity right now, but it's also that cash is locked in that property until it's sold. It's nothing until you yeah. actually sell that property and turn it into cash. To where what sustains those properties long term cash flow is like you need to have those cash reserves to maintain that property long term. Towards like they don't again like, the time like this like you know what I'm not going to take any of that cash flow. I'm going to put it into reserve until this is all over because we don't know if it's going to get worse. Like yeah. yes, they're talking about vaccines. They're talking about all the stuff, but like we're still a long ways from that, and like you still have a lot of economic fallout from that stuff once we do stop. Foreclosing and or can start foreclosing. We you can mean stop.
0: if we stop? <laughs> yeah, if we stop.
1: Um, everyone live for free. You get a free. You can live for free. Well, uh, but and, th- back to my point, the say yeah. like hold on to that cash flow for the time being until it's over. Because if a tenant loses his job, is now stuck in that house, and you can't get rid of him. Uh, you can't move them out. So now you need the cash flow to maintain your mortgage payment because the bank don't care uh, if you can't make your payment. Well, and, so. and people,
0: investors always have this misconception. And if you're listening, I, I truly hope that you you don't think this way. But a lot of people think it's, it's simple. And these are people that I believe have never done anything in the real estate space, which is why they're thinking this way, is, ah, oh, screw it, I'll kick them out. Oh, screw it, I'll sue them uh, you know, something it's like you, you don't understand. It's not that simple. Sometimes the answer is not as simple as I will kick them out or I will sue them. You understand? Like you don't know what's going to happen. That's why you need to make sure that when you buy, that's why the the saying goes, right? You make money, you make money when you buy. And why do a lot of people want that 20% equity is because in case you bought, something happens and you need to sell. At least that's giving you enough of a spread for closing costs, agent fees, any concessions, mm-hmm. anything that you need to do to be able to sell and at least take care of that 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 mortgage. Yeah. Right. So a lot of times it's not that you want 20% equity because you want to have 20% equity. You want it because in case something happens, you have a way you out. You
1: have a cushion. Exactly. I can undercut the market. Say the sales price is 200000 I can afford to sell it at 180 if I need yeah. to because now it's like the market doesn't drop that fast overnight. And it's like it can come down pretty quick, but if you see that coming and you need to liquidate, it's like you know what? I'll take a twenty thousand dollar bath on it because I still get twenty grand out of it, and I don't have that debt anymore. Hundred percent.
0: And so you're and you're that, that kind of that. that is something that uh, at some point starts affecting the real estate market prices is when investors start saying that. And they start dropping the prices just to liquidate because they have maybe you know stocks that are being called or whatever is happening somewhere else or their business is taking a hit, where they start bringing down home prices, especially when so many investors have bought houses since the last crash. It that affects home prices because if you have houses that are selling for two fifty and then all of a sudden you have an investor that comes in and he's like, I don't give a damn. I need to sell this now. I'm putting it in at two thirty. That affects the price well, of your th- home. It has
1: happened right now. Uh, I got an email from a I had an investor come from Houston that wanted to see a house or see some houses. I showed him one. Um, they didn't like that one. We moved, we moved past it. But I just got an email from that agent last night saying like, Hey, you recently showed this house and it's listed at two hundred sixty. I was like we're going to be dropping the price to two hundred twenty thousand because the sell and it's a flip house. You can tell the seller lost her job. And wow. she's dropping the price from two sixty to two twenty to liquidate to get out from underneath that thing. And this is like because the seller lost her job, I'm like here in that, San Antonio. Yeah, I was like that happens. Uh, and it, like wow. I don't think they have a problem selling because it, it was nope. a decent house for what of, of the ones we saw. Uh, and tra- taking that forty thousand dollar drop, but like yeah, things like that can happen
0: for sure. Yeah. So so let's uh, let's kind of get into a little bit of uh, what. Why we cover so much politics? Because bad well, policy this one... decisions. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. I lead really it now. to um, <laughs> bad policy decisions lead to, you know, or what, what when How get... it affects your real estate market? How it affects your income? How it affects employment? Right. So let, let's talk about what HP. You know that that little, that little tiny company, yeah, company that like does like fifty five six billion dollars in employees here. across the world. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So I mean, this is what, like. <sighs> I mean, it, it talks. We, we talk a lot of crap on California. Uh, but it's also Rightfully one of those. so. But it's just one of those that it's just like, yes, this is what happens when you vote this way. You vote people into power that believe this way. This is what happens. So, HP, uh, Hewlett Pack- Packard, Uh the coronavirus pandemic has given a number of tech companies and prominent Silicon figures an excuse to exit California because before what was holding people there, uh, we got all this office space here. We don't We don't want to send all these people home. I don't want to like move all these people over here. But then all of a sudden when everyone's like, yep, work from home and all of a sudden they have to force to transition their business overnight. And they're like, holy crap, that worked pretty well. And now we have these really expensive, massive office buildings, corporate campuses sitting here that it's like, i don't need that anymore i don't need all this office space like okay we can move so hp is was one of the original silicon success stories besides like apple i think they were founded like um the
0: original i i think they were talking about uh, i was like reading that hp was pretty much what like they um they have a plaque i think on the garage where hp started or some shit saying like this is where Sil- silicon valley was founded Oh, I don't know. Like, it just says the nuts. article I
1: read is like it's one of the first companies' success stories that come out yeah. of Silicon Valley, um, and they're moving to Houston. And uh, now, bear with me because this is kind of a. Uh, I tried to really shorten Houston. a lot of this, or shorten a lot of this article that I found, but a lot of it was just really good stuff. So I'm gonna kind of quote it. It was uh, so if California's anti-job policies, it's high taxes. A pretty good. regulatory I don't know what that word is like re, <laughs> not <laughs> a good I don't know regulatory enforcement and blackout inducing energy policies can chase out the company that launched Silicon Valley is any business large or small immune from pressure to move unless the company must directly serve the California market such as a fast food chain the ans- the, res- the answer is a resounding no. And there's no sign that things are about to turn around soon. After the 2020 elections, Democrats retained the super majorities in both legislative chambers while controlling every statewide office. In effect, California is a one-party, anti-free enterprise state. Anti-free. So, Texas... Texas governor Greg Abbott issued a statement noting that we are excited that Hewlett Packard enterprise has chosen to call Texas home. Hewlett Packard enterprises joins more than 50 fortune 500 company headquarters in the Lone Star state, including 22 in Houston alone. So that's why they moved Ooh. to Houston because there's 22 of Marty over there. Business relocation expert, Joe Renich, a former Californian produced a study in late 2018 showing 13,000 businesses left California over the past eight years. Vernish's findings are echoed in the Census Bureau's state-to-state migration estimates, which show California consistently losing, consistently losing residents to other states with lower taxes, a, t- a trend that has continued for some 20 years. Through mid-2018, California saw a net loss of 190,122 people who moved to other states very small percentage considering California has like yeah. 55 million people or something like that. But it shows that, Hey, they are starting to lose some people or Texas on the other side has gained a lot of people for the hundreds of employees who do move to Texas. And so this is where, uh, Going back to several articles we've talked about since like almost the very beginning, so from the hundreds of employees who do move to Texas, they'll want to get a head start on securing a moving van. The rush to leave California has led to a severe shortage of commercial movers, with California's stringent regulations stopping firms from meeting demand and leading to the pro- proliferation of shady operators. So even they're trying to regulate the moving companies to make it hard for the people to even move the states. <laughs> Even a U-Haul truck can be tough to get. With one-way rates from San Jose to Houston for a 26-foot truck clocking in at $5,569, more than three times the relocation cost to move to the west of $1,688. So there's always that uh for investors, they say, you want to see where people are moving, just go to U-Haul and start saying how much does it cost from a place to get from California to Austin, California, Houston, and then do it reverse, go in the other direction. Like where are people moving? And that's where it shows that. Yeah, there's a huge exodus of people leaving those states. And now you have multiple companies leaving. And uh, another, the, the article ended with the former Silicon Valley founder of tech firms Palantir and Adipar took his $3.6 billion venture capital firm to Texas, writing in the Wall Street Journal two weeks ago that I love California, but I had to leave yeah so it just shows it's like when you get these kind of people in here when you have a state that's run that way that it's like wow man we can't keep our fists, our finances in order so let's just raise taxes raise taxes tax commercial people uh commercial businesses let's raise corporate taxes like and now you have their ability to leave you're like yeah your big players are gonna be
0: like bye We're well out. Th- that's what I think is uh very telling with this is HP being such a massive company moving to Texas or just moving out of California. Um, do you think that's going to start kind of a trend of other major companies saying like, okay, so it can be done because we've all heard of Elon Musk wanting to leave. But the issue is that what I think is with Elon Musk, Facebook, Apple, these massive companies is that there's probably, they're probably thinking about the logistics of moving out of California, right? Just moving their whole infrastructure,
1: everything. All their employees too. They're like just that right there. It's like, hey, we're moving. But it's like, oh man, I can't get my employees to move out of here because they've regulated the moving companies to
0: just stifle the well, it might be something where they're like, that's fine. We'll we'll pay for your move. You know, we'll fund it, whatever. If you're willing to relocate. I mean, I don't know if uh looking at it from a capitalistic point of view is that I don't know if they would even need to, you know, uh, unless they have like key players that they need to come with them, but everybody else, maybe they can get that labor here. You understand? Like there's plenty of people here and in the tech space and everything. So maybe that would happen, you know, that they just move here and uh, employment goes even further down because it's like, well, now you're just bringing, I'm trying to find how many jobs California uh, created in No, not California. HP created in California. How many jobs this is going to affect? So if anybody can do that research and check it out, put it in the comments. I mean, uh, I'm very interested in that. I doubt it's small, right? Uh, I mean, it's a
1: pretty large. It's going to affect all that. But I mean, to your point, to where like if like this article says, like if people have the companies have the ability. They will do it. And especially now, like this pandemic shows like, hey, there's no better time to relocate everybody because everybody's staying at home as it is. Yeah. So they're like, you know what? We're out. I mean, we've we've covered several companies that are leaving, like Stripe. They're just straight up saying, like, you know what? We'll uh, give you we'll, 20 grand. We'll tell you 20 grand to leave the state. Uh and That's then I would nice. think it was um Stripe and Twitter, I believe both said like, we are allowing people to work for home indefinitely. So now that people say like, if they don't like California where they're at, they can move because their, their job allows them to be fluid. And going back to the previous article of, um, the, housing inventory and said home snaps agents reporting more home buyers are searching in rural areas outside major city limits because they aren't commuting to the office anymore and are looking for more space. So that is something that is going to be a trend. I think from like these very dense, highly populated, areas like you have on the East and the West coast, like, and I mean, even in downtown cores of big cities, it's like, you know what? I don't need to live in this environment anymore. I want more space.
0: And that's kind of going back to the whole point of why I would cover politics so much and why, you know, people say, Oh, you guys are Republicans, right? I'm not. And if you are trying to label, I think that's the issue that we have with lazy people trying to just pick a side. To me, I don't believe in picking a side. I believe in thinking for yourself, right? Yeah, I don't consider I myself a, a Republican because there's a lot of shit that they've been doing, especially lately, that I'm like, you out of your damn mind. I mean, and what is the Republican anymore? All the dumb shit that Trump has done with, you know, the stimulus and all this stupid shit that he, it hasn't even been done correctly. It's like, I thought you were a conservative. Like, wh- where's all this crap coming from? Yeah. You know what I mean? Power so, grab. yeah. So I'm not right. I'm not left. I'm just using my brain to make up my mind and make decisions. But this is where policies and politics affects a state tremendously, because if all these other, vote, I
1: mean, and the who you vote for, because like to in my conversation, I was on is like to these people that these companies that are leaving and bringing their employees with them. I mean, Texas, we're a friendly. We're a friendly people. We're a friendly state. Like I have several friends that come to Texas. Like, man, everyone's just so friendly here. You just drive like, yeah. yeah, down the road. people like actually wave at you. They talk to you, hold the door and say, oh, here you go. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, like people weird. are kind of friendly. And, but so, and so you not know, say like people can come as like, but remember why you're having to leave the place. Cause California is a beautiful state. Like I've been there. Like, I love that place. Like to go hang out on the boardwalks, the beaches, everything like that. Like it is awesome. The weather you'd love it. It's like 7 60, 50 to 70 degrees there year round. Like it never gets hot, never gets too cold either. No, I, I, but,
0: like, I still like seasons. Well you're an idiot. Um yeah. but
1: <laughs> hey, that's but, offensive now. Don't, but, don't 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 trigger but, me. But that's just saying like remember why you're having to leave and look back of what caused you having to move and leave that state. As like you're coming somewhere you're to a new state that thinks very differently, but just, I mean, basically from California and Texas, the only two I'm comparing, yeah. uh, of like what we believe and how our state's set up and why your company is moving here and why your paycheck actually went up as far as your net savings every month, because of the way this state is running, the way the affordability. Are, the affordability. Yeah. Um, so keep so, that stuff in mind.
0: So on that point, uh, I haven't driven uh, to little California in a while, uh, Austin, so i don't know if it's still there but for the longest time going up 35 there's a a big billboard that says don't california my texas yeah is that still there because you don't know too but we always find it funny but do you think all the people that are leaving california because they realize that it's like shit i can't afford to live here i can't you know i can't find work i can't afford anything whatever it is do you think they're still going to vote blue here or are they going to start realizing and kind of putting two to two together and saying, okay, hold on. I know I'm a Democrat, which is fine, whatever you want to call yourself, but those policies have not been working. So maybe, you know, I moved to Texas. Like, do you think it's going to turn Texas blue? I mean, we we're already seeing a huge shift in that direction. We're pretty much there. But do you think that all these people coming are going to keep voting blue and bring Texas like California? Or do you think that they're well, going to start realizing why they left? Like you,
1: like you said before, like what's a Republican, what's a Democrat anymore? It, it, it's, I, think, I think they still would vote blue or Democrat, but I think you have a different type of Democrat here. It's not, it's not one for one. Um, I think there's different policies and different things. Like we're not the, the ticket that a Democrat would run on here in Texas would be different than what you're running on in California, as far as like the policies that you push. So I, I would think that it would it probably still will cause I mean, it, it's a shift. If you just look at the trends in the data that our major metros have over time started to turn more and more and more democratic. And like your major metros typically do do that, um, across, uh, across time, but it's just, I think it's going to shift what the politicians run on as far as what they say they are for and are against as far as their policies go.
0: So you're saying that a Democrat in Texas is not the same as a Democrat in California. As far as a politician goes, they're going to run, they're not going to be as extreme or as drastic because here they know they're going to lose more if they go that drastic. Yeah.
1: I think, I think that's kind of basically what I'm, I'm saying.
0: Okay. Oh, I, I would like to hear what you guys think. Um, put I want you to put a, a, a thumbs up if you think Texas is going blue and put a thumbs down if you think it's going to stay red or get further red. So thumbs up if you think it's going blue, thumbs down if it's going red. Let me see what uh we can kind of do a little voting that way and see what, you know, okay. well, what this
1: looks while, like. While you're doing that, uh, we'll go to the next topic of and this is kind of something we've been seeing is all these people have been forced to work from home. And it's like, now that a lot of people have been doing this for, I mean, since March, I'm mean, we're talking nine months now, but now studies are showing that three out of four workers want to continue working in an office in the future as they don't like the staying from home all the time. They like the camaraderie of going and traveling and getting out and meeting their, their colleagues and having that collaboration there. Um, the article goes on to say despite all the ways the coronavirus pandemic has normalized working from home three in four workers hope to return to an office at some point in the future according to a recent survey of over 2,000 office workers worldwide by the commercial real estate firm jll and it's not even like three want to go all the way home this so is roughly one quarter of office workers hope to return to the office full-time after the health risks of the virus subside half of them want to do a hybrid where they're able to have flexibility to be able, they can work from home two days a week. And then one in four workers hope to, um, have work from home arrangements full-time and permanently adjust. So it's not one of those things where are saying, Oh, the market shifted. Everyone's working from home. Now it's like for the rest of the time, it's like, no, it's not going to be that way because I think companies in themselves realize they have to have a given environment their employees want to be in. I mean, working for a company, you have to look at their benefits or work environments and things like that, that attract good talent. So what does a good talent want? Obviously it's, they have to be flexible to where they say, if people want to come to the office, they can, if they don't want to come to the office, they don't have to be. Um, and so I think, uh, over time, I think you're going to see people returning to the office because working from home all the time, like, ah, I don't like staying at home all the time or, 75% of them don't want to stay
0: home all the time. 75% 75% of your workers don't want to stay home all the time. So, so because it's interesting because when this first thing, when this all first started, we saw a huge shift in commercial space, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of companies started downsizing. They started realizing how amazing this is because their overhead went way down, but this is kind of going to the argument that you and I talk quite frequently about is, We have them talking about a lot about stimulus, the next stimulus package, you know, and don't worry, stimulus, stay home, we'll give you the money, stay home. We got to get this COVID, stay home. It's the long term effects of those policies. Like, I think what we're talking about is not monetary issue. I think we went past that. Right. I think we're past the monetary being an issue of when we first hit everything was monetary. And don't get me wrong. It's still monetary for a lot of people losing their jobs. But I'm thinking it's more of an issue as far as psychological. You understand? You're staying home and maybe you are getting help. Right. You are getting or maybe you have savings or whatever. But it gets to a point where you just start getting that cabin fever. Right. You start. We talked about it at the last coffee with the Johns that, you know, you start losing your skills. You start losing, you know, your abilities to work and everything. I mean, as a study show, it's like yeah. the, the, the latency of like you like you fall off. You fall off because you're not working. You're not. It's like everything. You stop going to the gym for a month or two and you go back. You're going to feel the difference, right? You got to keep that that muscle working. And a lot of people are staying home and they're not working that muscle. They're binging on you know netflix and all this and we've seen like uh netflix uh disney plus everybody like their viewerships have gone through the roof Skyrocketed, yeah because that's what people are doing they're just sitting home facebook usage has been through the roof as well people are on facebook you know i mean uh, you had the
1: election this year too that brought a lot of people a lot of attention
0: i think that's what drove a lot of more people to
1: the polls is like sitting at home what are you gonna do it's like well i guess there's this political thing that we can well, watch and follow. social
0: social media didn't give you an option anytime you open up anything oh did God. you vote are you voting did you vote did yeah, you go are you vote registered? Are, you are, you registered? are you registered like, like here's an
1: easy way to register <laughs> like, good lord like, um, yeah, at this
0: point like listen if i if i don't know how to vote you know like just just give up already. Well, I mean, I mean, we
1: can move this on to the next topic of the, there is still an election going on. Uh, and I've told you this is, I'm glad I do not live in the state of Georgia because that is where this whole thing is really coming to a head to where like you agree with the election results. You don't agree with elections, whatever. Let's just go with what is presumed at the current time that the Republic the Democrats are going to maintain the house. They're going to take the white house and that leaves the Senate left Mm -hmm. and now you have 50 republicans holding their seats you have 48 democrats and you have two left to further because there's 100 senators in total if there's a split or a tie in the senate then it goes to the vice president to break that tie in the senate as far as passing policies so now Uh-oh. if the Democrats win those two States in Georgia, then that means they have 50 senators, Democrat, 50 senators, Republican, to where if you were voting party lines on certain policies that the white house and the house want to have passed, that means the VP can split that and they essentially hold a Superman or not a super majority, but they hold all three branches. If they vote party lines, they can get whatever they want passed. So that's why this whole election has this portion. It's really coming down to that specific January 5th runoff. And that's creating a lot of fuss about people trying to influence that election. People saying, I think Andrew Yang came out, the former uh, nominee for the Democrats, said like, hey, we're moving to Georgia so we can help win the state. Like he's literally leaving the state. I think we talked about this last time, leaving California to move to Georgia so he can vote in that election, which I think is wrong. But then this article goes out to say that Georgia's top election official says he is opening investigation into whether third party groups are trying to register people from other states to illegally vote in Georgia's twin January 5th elections. And now, now this, this is where like, okay, they're, they're opening. I thought they were just saying they're opening it into one part, um, organization. He goes on to say that we have opened an investigation to a group called America Votes, who was sending absentee ballot applications to people at addresses where they have not lived since 1994. Vote Forward, who attempted to register a dead Alabama voter to vote in Georgia. The New Georgia Project, who sent voter registration applications to New York City. Operation New Voter Registration Georgia that's a kind of an interesting name who is telling college students to in Georgia that they can change their residency to Georgia and then change it back after the election. <laughs> and I'm just, it's just like, Oh my God, talk about trying to influence an election. Like that is just crazy. And, um, his office goes on to say they have 23 investigations going on. And I oh, was so, office has 23 investigators working on 250 open investigations with credible claims of illegally voting and election law violations we so where like, I'm glad I do not. Cause I remember the hear of like, dude, like the amount of political advertisements I was getting leading up to November 2nd or whatever it was mm-hmm. like, dude, I think one day I got nine different elect, uh, pamphlets in the mail, four of them for the exact
0: same candidate. I like, remember oh, you sending us my... pictures every time you get one.
2: Yeah, it's just like, oh like dude,
1: look, it's like I get so many of these things, um, to where I I wouldn't want to be living in that state because I'm sure it is just absolutely a nightmare to like how much money and money and influence is being trying to drilled into that state for these two elections, to where I'm sure it's consuming the media, it's consuming your mailboxes, you can't go
0: anywhere without somebody
1: talking what, about it. What,
0: what side do you think is manipulating it?
1: God, I have no idea that, uh, at this it, point. Does
0: it show like you know? Where are you getting the stats from? Is it showing like it's coming more from the left, from the right? Where do they want those uh seats to lean towards? Especially this uh, that I mean, whole I, I, like I, I, Andrew well, Yang crap. Like that's Well, that's I read bullshit.
1: another I read another article somewhere that showed that um what is it? The Democrats outspent Republicans in major swing states three to one.
0: They always do. I so mean, you got california money that always tries to influence influence and stuff like that yeah. so like
1: which i mean if you follow that and in these investigations and stuff like that in a state that traditionally in the south voted red like trump won georgia in 2016 by over five percent and he lost it this time by 12,000 votes across four million votes or however many people voted so very very slim slim yeah, slim no, margins yeah. to where they are trying to make up that ground and like who and like you ask like who has more to lose in this uh the Republicans have more to lose 100%. because they now the Democrats have an open ticket to if they vote party lines has the ability to vote and get past whatever they want to get past
0: well do so, do you think that's gonna happen because uh, I, I believe you had put an article in here for last time that we didn't quite hit but we're we're starting to see now that it's you know it seems because every time I'm hearing like crazy things about the election, Seems that Biden has it. You know, he's going to take it. He's going to be the president. We're starting to see a divide within the Democrats. Yeah. We're starting to see a divide within, you know, the the far left, you know, and, and everybody else. Like the Sanders well, group, what, what do they call it? The 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 clan of four or something? The they're squad. Like the, the squad, whatever. That little dictatorship that they're trying to form. But you have them, you know, pushing far left and they're saying... Hold on, we've lost a lot of seats because you guys are going way too yeah, crazy. Yeah,
1: some people come out, it's like like they lost, the, I, I don't remember where it was at, but it was a Democrat that won her seat narrowly. And she came out and said, like, never ever mention the word socialism in any form at all. But democratic ever again. socialism. And they could have <laughs> said, like, we lost a lot of good people because that narrative was being pushed. Yeah. But I'm a firm believer that. Uh, Clinton led to Bush, Bush led to Obama, Obama led to Trump and Trump's leading to Biden. Like the, the, because of those policies, they led to the next president and they, they, they lead up into it. So like right now, the democratic, uh, base is vibrant in saying like this guy, Trump has got to get out of the, white house so they kind of unified all together they got their candidate approved now they're saying but now we want this stuff and they're like the far left wants they say we helped unify to get you in the presidency it's because of our base we got this guy here. now you need to come out and perform and pass all these things that we want to pass right but now that they're in they're like whoa hold on just yes we appreciate your help but that's crazy talk we're not going to give you all that stuff so now they're coming around the next election yeah. season they see that they didn't get the stuff passed and now they're disincentivized to vote again and the other side is mad that somebody got a lot of stuff passed and that's kind of how politics so so playing
0: this game and i would like to hear what you guys think in the comment section um but playing this game a little bit is with that being said let's say georgia goes and it finishes 50 50 right do you really feel that you're going to have what we've been seeing where it's like Republicans vote Republican, Democrats vote Democrats. Or do you feel that if, you know, Kamala, from what we've seen, she leans further right than left, uh, left than uh, Biden does. Biden is a little more like Obama, you know, a little more like moderate, but yeah, again, a little, not, I wouldn't say center. He's still kind of crazy with some of the stuff he wants to do, but not that crazy. Right. Not something that's going to tank the economy. But like Kamala Kamala is um very far left. You know, she yeah. supported Bernie. She supported all those things that they want to do. So, you know, and she is the vice president and she is, you know, a firecracker. Like she's not like Joe Biden was with Obama where nobody knew what the hell. Joe did. Right. Like, I think we're going to hear a lot from her. I think she's going to be a very strong I mean, kind of like you Dick Cheney from
1: the t- 2000, the Bush administration. You hear a lot about, uh, you look back on it and, and you hear
0: it now. It's like, yeah, Cheney did a lot. Cheney was a different type, I think. Uh, but, but what I'm going at is do you think that it will still be that the Democrats run everything, right? Let's say they take it and they run everything. And it's going to be that way. Or do you think that a lot of Democrats are going to be like, hold on, hold on. No, that's crazy we can't and kind of cross the line a little bit as far as tr- maybe having more of a stagnant two more years than anything else where nothing's really going to get done. Cause the policies are too extreme.
1: I mean, I think they'll, they'll still get the things done, but I don't think you're going to see this massive shift and saying, Oh, let's pack the courts, um, in the filibuster and do all this stuff because like they said, they, they can only afford, they can't lose, anybody and even the republicans when they were passing some of the stuff that they passed like they lost one maybe two but they had 53 seats so right. they could afford to lose a few people uh to where now it's like if it's 50 like, 50 no side can lose a single person right to where you look at the down ballot voting of this last election to where I think like, especially the state level and the geo and the uh, national level as the house was expecting to gain, I think like five or 10 seats and they wound up losing like eight seats Mm -hmm. to where like they have even a slim, a smaller majority in the house now to where like they, they look back and say like uh, the article I was reading was saying like, you look at the narrative that was pushed that got a lot of these people elected yeah, as like they lost to where like in the, when you look at the state level, I think it was like they gained 173 House seats or 100, yeah, 179 House seats across the nation. Uh, the GOP I'm talking about, they gained 40 Senate seats across the nation. And they now control both chambers of the state legislatures th- in, in 31 states. So yeah. it was like they actually got creamed when you look down ballot vo- uh, voting, uh, because of some of the narratives they've been pushing. So that's where I think they're going to kind of back off on some of this stuff and not try to shove these things through. I mean, it was frontline news because they were trying to is what was getting eyeballs. It was with gaining them power, getting these people that they needed to get out and vote to vote the way they wanted. Yeah. But now they're like, yeah, but we can't, we're, we can't pass that stuff. Some of your moderate Democrats, if we try to push this stuff through in two years, we would get destroyed and in some of the moderate states. So,
0: well that 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 could be a little bit of good news as far as we're not going to see any crazy policies any anything that too extreme at least not yet right that could for business owners it's it's pretty much the worry that we all have is the stuff that biden has said that he wants to do for against business owners right yeah you know uh, the increases of all the taxes the you know especially for real estate talking about getting rid of 1031 exchanges yeah, all these things that were like, mm, hold on. You know, if you start hurting the business owners, you, you see what happens in California. Like, it's not going to be good for the state yeah. for the country. So, you know, hopefully that, that doesn't, I mean, it's, it's a give and take thing to where like,
1: I do agree after, I mean, regardless of what happened in the past, we are where we are now, to where we have a budget deficit of like three or $4 trillion this year to where like that has to be paid at some point. Right. So it has to be in a combination of eliminating some government bloat and government waste and increasing some taxes where i think it's a give and take in both where they've only proposed like we're just going to raise all these taxes to pay for all this stuff yes you can say that now but when it comes to getting i mean what is it there's like 400 people in the house 100 in the senate and the president like you got to get 600 people or or was that five 500 some people to agree to change that stuff to where it, it is going to be hard. And I, that's why I think it, it is going to be. I'm, this is why I don't think I'd ever enter politics because it's a constant bickering back and forth To where these people do have to work with each other to where it's not. The media does a great job to make it to say like these people hate each other. It's left and right. There's no one in between, but yeah. these people have been politicians for years. They know nothing gets done unless there is some compromise somewhere along the the lines just like the the next thing we were going to talk about is uh this stimulus package that has been just kind of this (laughs) ever floating thing for the past couple months leading up to the election nothing was going to get done they were staying like we're staying put here and i think at that point they were trying to get votes they were trying to get people to come to them
0: the way i look at the stimulus package talk and everything i look at the carrot and the stick kind of situation right where it's like they just hold that carrot in front of you but you're never going to get it it's just like Oh, but if you do this, then we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and do it. Oh, but yeah. if you do that, then we'll go ahead. No, no, no. Now you need to, you know, because what's this next, uh, package now it's down to like 900 billion. Uh, billion when before they wouldn't even pass one, that was 1.8 trillion. Now they've gone down. The Democrats, I believe, went down to nine hundred.
1: Well, the first one was like three point one trillion. Then it went to two point two, and the Republicans wanted to do five hundred billion more targeted. Or they and then they just talked back and forth. And I think at that point it was politically motivated to get votes because you had an election coming up. Um, yeah. I still don't think anything is going to get passed until after the January fifth elections uh, to know which the way the runoff. Yeah, the runoffs. Um, I don't think anything's really going to get passed. Cause if they do win that, it means now at that point, come January 20th and everyone gets inaugurated. It's like, well, now we can clean sweep and do whatever we want. Um, as far as a stimulus package goes, but it is one of those right now that the economy is reeling. I don't think it can survive without more damage being done to it that far. So now this new package they're talking about, it comes out of a bipartisan group that's designed to help, Release gridlock in the uh, political environment if something happens. Happens like these stimulus packages. So they unveiled this 908 billion uh, coronavirus relief deal, um, and in it, it is the bipartisan agreement allocates about 300 billion in funding for small businesses, 240 billion in aid for state and local governments, 180 billion to extend boosted unemployment unemployment benefits at 300 per week for four months in temporary moratoriums on COVID liability lawsuits to allow states enough time to design their own laws. It notably does not include a second stimulus check. Like they, everyone was saying leading up to this, that, Oh, we all agree on a second stimulus check to every American, um, under a certain level. So that's gone. Uh, one thing that uh, it's striking to me was like, I see 908 billions, like, Oh, well, great. Another trillion dollars to our deficit, but that's not how it it's being allocated. So Mitt Romney, uh, is quoted saying it's simply unacceptable for us to not help in these circumstances. And, uh, noting that the price tag includes 560 billion in repurposed funding from the March cares act. So, and just 348 billion in new funding, I happen to be a deficit hawk, but the time to borrow money, maybe the only time to borrow money is when there is a crisis and this is a crisis. So out of the $2.2 trillion, uh CARES Act that that's passed in March they still have half a trillion over half a trillion dollars of that money left so they're not adding another 908 billion dollars they're only adding 348 to what was already is allocated in some other form and now they're bringing it back and putting it some into this new package and repurposing it uh and
0: making it a little more targeted and not just so much as a giant flush fund for everybody so With all the stuff that we've been having, all the cries for more money and everything, there's still 500 billion from the original cares act. That was never 560 billion. That wasn't spent. Why? Well, because of the way they, they purpose
1: it. They said, they set this much money mine um this this much money aside for say, small business relief. Well, uh, not enough businesses, applied for that money or qualified, applied, applied, applied,
0: qualified, whatever it may be. Well, the reason I'm asking is it seems nuts to me because you're having a ton of businesses that have gotten destroyed, you know, especially in the restaurant bar space that've gotten destroyed because of all this, because they were forced to shut down, you know, not that they were destroyed because they had terrible marketing skills or anything like that. They were forced to shut down. So, but that's what I'm saying. Okay. So that money might've been drained to zero
1: and there's no money left. Cause I mean, they did run out of money. They had to re- get more and then, and then it ran out again. Um, but now say this 560 billion was for, um, it could be,
0: uh, I'm just trying to think of an example, say but they like, didn't say what it was allocated to. they What I'm saying is like, I find it nuts that we've had that we've had businesses that people have put all their life savings into have been wiped out Businesses They're not coming back. You know, they, even if they open everything up today, they still won't come back because they're this, so behind. Yeah. So you've had five hundred and sixty billion dollars sitting there, but they can't touch it. it
1: that's that's sort of like the way laws on, are written. So it's like it's oh this God. money is written to where like they can't like nobody can say, come "Hey, on. let's just move this over here." And he takes legislative action to do that because they said they allocated in the first package five hundred billion dollars. Doesn't the Congress
0: control the budgets? But they have to vote on it. But they're all Democrat. Like, they all wanted stimulus. If you have 560, why not use it? Because they're arguing of where
1: it goes. So say those 500, $560 million spread across between military, um, coronavirus research, uh, is, distribution, and that uh, money it across, like,
0: it could be allocated in 15 different areas. I tell you, that, so that, that, that's the shit that, about politics of why it makes me sick. Why – you know, a lot of times when people talk about, you know, big government and all this, it's like well, no they're inefficient as crap. Yeah. They don't know how to manage money. They don't know anything about business. They don't know anything about the common people. I mean, not to, you know, in a negative way or. Well, yeah, it is. I guess it is. But Joe Biden being in politics for 47 years, what the hell does he know about your everyday American? You understand? Like where can these people even relate to the everyday American yet they're writing the policies that dictate where we're going to go and what we're going to do. And then they, they're telling you what you can and cannot do. Yeah. I mean, it blows my mind. Yeah.
1: And, but that's what I said, like, and like, yes, all this money has been sitting there and they've been trying to release it, but it's like, they have to agree to where they can't say, okay, we have this 560 billion. Let's take this and put it over here. It's like, well, yeah, but that doesn't work for our agenda. We only want to put a hundred billion into this and, 300 of that billion over into this. So, because like right now, they're only using of that 560, they're only using 300 billion to fund small businesses through the PPP program. So, that's what I said. They're not even using all of it for businesses. So, that's just kind of where all of this kind of comes around. So, it is something that where's this going to go? But I mean, the second this uh, I saw, like, I, when I put this article to talk about that day i saw it that morning and within two hours mitch mcconnell comes out and says this is a (laughs) non-starter it's like oh come on immediately like said like we're not we're not talking about this it's not enough we we want a smaller package even though this bipartisan group that's designed to help break gridlock uh comes out and says or it
0: designed this package and it's like
1: Mm -hmm. oh they've kind of come down you got to come up there's some compromise there
0: we have a capital asset pricing model he just commented the president-elect has never written a check he has only endorsed checks <laughs> um oh, but it, it's it's just you know and it's not even just a knock on uh on just biden uh just i use him because he's the only one i know for how many years he's been in there i haven't done any research but on both sides i think 47 years of a politician um i just can't I can't see how you keep touch. And this kind of a little tangent here, but it kind of leads to our issue with gurus, right? With real estate gurus or anything, is that you have these people that succeeded in real estate 15, 20 years ago. They haven't been down in the ground, you know, wholesaling or doing shit like that for years. They probably have a massive team, yet they're coming out with training for like 20, 30, 50 grand about how you're going to get started in real estate when it's like, you haven't gotten started in real estate for like the last 20 years. What the hell are you going to teach somebody that's getting started? What do you know about that? You understand? Like, that is the thing that bothers me. And I understand that they're like, Oh, well they have advisors and blah, blah, blah. It's, it doesn't work that way because you can't, you can't support a bill in my opinion, or fight against a bill with enough passion. If you don't feel it, Mm -hmm. you understand? Like, just because somebody tells you what people are struggling, it doesn't make you feel the struggle well, because you haven't had to, it. It's like all oh, the like every all these um, um, Americans
2: are
1: unemployed and stuff like that, and they're holding everything hostage and trying to get a political gain out of it. It's like, but they're still getting paid, like
0: insane. Yeah, well, like,
1: uh, like and they'll and that'll never change to where it's like, oh, if we have this problem, we can cut off senator. Like no senator would vote to willingly not get paid to do their job.
0: Uh, like and now and now what they're talking about is um you have uh again the far left asking for Biden to forgive student loan debt immediately yeah. right so um I haven't seen any articles on it well, uh, I mean I'm sure there are articles well, but it's the next two topics okay perfect so student loan debt yeah I mean they they want to forgive student loan which is billions of dollars so I'm like that's that's where does this make sense for so, anybody so do you have the ability to
1: pull up articles I have a lot of abilities so people can see it on the live stream
0: not that ability okay (laughs) not yet not yet (laughs) we'll we'll link this article
1: is actually found so this is actually between two different articles One was from fox business put it out and then the other one was from housing wire but schumer uh chuck schumer who is the senate minority leader for the democrats said biden should enact a plan that he laid out earlier this year alongside senator elizabeth warren from massachusetts under which the president could use executive authority to immediately cancel up to $50,000 of student debt per borrower. Barden has called for forgiving $10,000 in student loan debt as part of a broader coronavirus relief package. An outstanding student loan debt has doubled over the last decade, nearing staggering $1.7 trillion. About one in six American adults owes money on federal student loan debt, which is the largest amount of non-mortgage debt in the U.S. and has been cited as a major hindrance in people's economic life by Federal Reserve Jerome Powell. He estimated it would provide total forgiveness to more than 75% of borrowers and partial forgiveness uh, for more than 95%. Now, is this going to happen? Who knows? because uh, so by canceling the student loan debt would also add the nas- the nation's already ballooning deficit, which totaled a record 3.1 trillion for the 2020 fiscal year. So now in the housing wire article that I found, cause they make the argument of how having uh, forgiving student loan debt would give people the ability to, uh, buy cars, buy houses, keep more cash in their pocket and everything. So this article in housing wire shows like how many borrowers owe what amount when you looked at it. So Uh, the articles in housing wire on housing wire. Correct. Uh, and it says distribution. If you scroll about halfway down the page, it says distribution of student loan borrowers by balance.
0: Did you link the article in here
1: in the trailer board? Yes. I'm trying to find it. Where is it? Or, or, just click on the article, and it's right there in the description. Are you trying to put it on the chat? Yeah. Oh, I can no, see.
0: not in the chat. I'm trying to show it on the screen. Oh. Uh, what's the name of the card? Uh,
1: Schumer calls on Biden to cancel student uh, loan debt yep. with executive yep. order. <laughs> the, the topic we're talking about. But halfway down the page, is it shows a distribution of how much people owe. So... In the 5,000 and under, you have 8.5 million in the 5,000 to 10,000. You have 7.4 million. And at the 10,000 to 25,000, you have 12 million. So if he just alone stroked a pen for $10,000, you would hit. What is that? Um, over 15 million people of Americans, you would eliminate all their student debt and partial of that 12 million that hold 10 to 25,000, you would have, uh, you'd you'd write off a significant portion of those people as well, so it would eliminate a lot of student debt for a lot of people that is taking cash from them, because it's one of the things you can eliminate the debt, uh, balance. But if somebody owes a certain amount, their payment doesn't change because it's set under amortization. Hmm. So you would have to reset the entire loan if you were able to do that. Uh, but it would eliminate a lot of people, uh, student debt in its entirety, which I was kind of shocked to see those balances that low. I thought a lot of these people were gonna own 25, 50, hundred thousand or more, um, in student loan, but it's actually a smaller amount than I originally anticipated. Did you get the article over there?
2: <laughs> no. No, no. Okay, just don't, don't mess with it.
1: Um, but going with that yeah. is the next thing that I found uh, from somebody that i follow and listen to uh, was students say online courses not worth the cost. So a lot of these universities are just saying everybody, we're doing online classes. You don't come to campus. Uh, you study from and work from home. Uh, you don't come to campus. You don't get the environment. You don't get the dorms. You don't get anything, but the thing was the universities didn't lower their tuition costs right at all. Yep. So it's like, hey, yes, you get this huge college experience for twenty thousand dollars a year, but you still have to pay twenty thousand dollars a year to sit in your mom's basement and take your classes online.
0: Again with the mom's
1: basement, poor guys. <laughs> the dad's on. basement, whatever you want to do. And your family's basement or your family's homes. So like you, th- you're not getting that experience. So this is the first semester that they have had that to where it's like, hey, you have to go from home, but you still have to pay full price for your tuition. Well, a vast majority of college students do not think online courses are worth full tuition costs, according to a survey conducted by OneClass, a college course note sharing platform and digital course provider nearly 94% of more than 10,000 college students surveyed said online courses are not worth as much as in-person courses. Only 4% of college colleges are holding fully in-person classes, according to the Chronicles of Higher Education. The tuition costs have remained the same this fall, although there are no fees for room and board. The survey included 10,367 college freshmen, sophomores, and juniors at one of of 191 colleges and universities university of the United States. So at 191 college universities, 10,000 students were surveyed and 94% of them said, this ain't worth the cost. So now what is that going to do if they say next semester again, Hey, there's no one in person classes again to where I think you're going to see people not going saying, you know what? I'm going to take a semester or two off because this massive tuition cost is not worth the price to go to college
0: and further education. Well, like you, now- you say a tuition cost, but then they're forgiving your loans and they want to forgive your loans now. I mean, what, what do you think the, the loan forgiveness? I don't think it makes sense at all, period, right? Granted, I, don't, I didn't go to college, so I don't have any debt or anything like that. But w- there are people that I know personally that have had college debt and they've gotten a second job or whatever it is to be able to pay that off. Yeah, they've busted their ass to be able to pay that off. Now you're saying, "Hey, look, you you were willing to put in the work and everything. You're an idiot because you know now we're what just gonna, gonna forgive, forgive everybody." Oh, I've had that same argument. So it was like, that to, to me, it's like, then give them their money back. Then you know what I mean. Obviously, that's not smart either. But my thing is like, I get people are struggling. Just don't charge interest, maybe well, I, you I, know, I... or maybe just okay, just delay the college debt for a year, oh, you know? Yeah, they already do that. Okay. So then yeah. what the fuck? Like, Oh, by forgiving, there's going to put a ton of money back into the market in what way then? Because if they're already forgiven it and let's say they're not charging interest. So then you're not paying, you know, for a hundred thousand dollar loan, you're not paying 120 by the time you're done or even more. I don't know what the, how it compounds on it, but you're not paying a, an assortment amount. You're paying back what you borrowed. That money then should already be in the system. What more money is going to come well, into I the mean, system?
1: My thing with it is, is like, you're not fixing the problem. Like you put a temporary bandaid on it again, you forgave this debt. Great. Yeah. But now the next generation of people is just going to rack that debt back up because college costs are still continuing to rise at a very rapid rate and kids are still getting into more and more debt. So yeah, you help people that are graduated debt now but now it's just going to be refilled with this new people coming in with even higher debt costs. Well, and so wait, you're not well, fixing the problem. You're distance, you're not fixing the incentivization of these private public universities. Right. Raising the cost because they know the government will fund these students to go attend their colleges. It's like there's no disincentive there and that's why you get these ballooning courses of underwater basket weaving and the, these these degrees that do nothing besides they don't prepare you for anything. You don't, can't go out and get a job. Underwater basket weaving? <laughs> it's just something people always I'm say. I'm just
0: picturing that. I'm like,
1: that would take some what? crazy skills. There is a, <laughs> uh, a book I'm reading right now uh, about... I can't remember the name of it, but it is, it's over the Steve Schwarzman. He was the guy that founded BlackRock Investments in the, the 90s and stuff like that. It's about his college career, and he went to I believe it was Yale University and got a business degree. When a business degree actually got you something, right? But now a business degree is just be kind of like a Ford Escort uh, or the Toyota Camry of the car world. It's just like everybody has one. They're, they're all over the wow. place to where you can throw Knocking a
0: stone. I can Toyota you. Camrys.
1: <laughs> you can Don't throw a stone offense, and, and and. Ford Escort. Okay. <laughs> but everybody has one because right. they can go and say, oh, go to college. We'll pay you to get it. We'll give you the loans at low interest rates to get a business degree and you can go get a better job. Well, like, well, now there's a plethora of business degrees, business programs that qualify for these financial aids that balloon these debts that don't well, get my, you a my job. Well, my thing
0: is more my fight against socialism, right? That This whole democratic socialism, whatever they want to rebrand to, is that what motivate and, and please, if you're in the comments, you know, even if you're watching the replay, put in the comments, if you've gone to college, but if you've gone to college and you've paid, you've busted your ass to pay for the degree and everything, do you value your degree more because of how hard it was for you to get it? And if you no longer have to pay for it, are you going to value it just as much? or Are you going to work just as hard knowing that the shit is free? Cause I've always heard, you're people saying, that, you people that said people going into
1: college when it's free, not people that already have their degrees. They got it. Free. Yeah. Yeah. No, no yeah. people
0: going into college, like, because that was the whole Sanders thing like free colleges and all this. Right. And that, that was always my, my way of thinking is like the problem when you make things free or you make things too easy, nobody values it. You understand? It's the same thing with education. Like, why do you, why do, and this, this is something that it kind of sucks in a way that, you know, uh, here's a quick little plug. We're doing a workshop and it is a paid workshop because, uh, we're going to go into details on stuff. So check it out. But. Why people have to charge for education, because if you put it out for free, people don't value it. Mm-hmm. Well, you I have- mean, Lorenzo Martinez puts in here the GI bill,
1: uh, makes college free for veterans. And he says he does, no, it.
0: And, and, and that's great, Lorenzo. And and of course, like but I'm, sure, you. I'm saying, the overall population. I'm not saying like your one-offs. Like I value free education about, like, too. Like, I, learned, I got bill, all my stuff. The from...
1: GI Bill is a perk of you putting in the work to be a veteran. So right. you sacrifice. You come something. with different disciplines already. Yeah, you 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 were you sacrificed something, your time and effort to be in the military, and this is a reward. So now that's different than somebody that we're talking about the people that left high school and didn't sacrifice anything. They don't have to monetarily do it. They don't have to be in the military. They just go straight into college.
0: Yeah. So my thing is just that it's like, I've always heard from people how, you know, especially people that come from money, they're always taken care of and everything. It's like, they don't value school, right? Like I I knew a guy coming up, growing up. Uh, He was the son of the, of my dad's boss at the time. And that guy had gone through, I don't know, like four or five different majors Because, you know, he was finding himself and all because his dad was paying for it. Yeah. You understand? So he didn't value it. It it didn't matter to him because there was no struggle. There was no, you know, no, this is my parents' money. Or, you know, I see how hard my parents are working. There's no, in in my opinion. Right. That's what I'm looking at. Like I, I would, I value for information, but I also value paid. Like if I pay for something, I consume the shit out of that it, right? It comes
1: down to parenting at that point, to so not let them value it, uh, mm. or you're not teaching them to value it. It's like, look, you have four years that I will pay for college. Figured out in that period of time, and you're covered. But if you switch your major five, six times,
2: but you're what not are gonna parents graduate gonna
0: do? You even think parents are gonna care e- either if, if they it's know? Free, no, I mean that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if they if we make colleges free, we make all this shit free. Do you think degrees are gonna be are going to matter as much as far as like people really going after it when they know they can get it for free. Well,
1: I think you look back over time. So back in like say early 1900s, graduating high school puts you a class above because a lot of people left, They left to go work on their family's farms. Do you agree? Yeah. So, and then the college thing came about. So now a lot of people, they said, you guys need to graduate high school. So the economy changed. And people started graduating high school. It wasn't so much farming and it was working more industrial jobs. So you needed to have a basic level of education to do that stuff. Well, then the economy shifted again. It's like now you need to graduate college to function in society for what the economy needs. So now it came about, so we need to get more educated people. So let's open up these college programs. So now they have most people graduate high school and now a lot more people are entering college and they're getting this debt to try to function the economy. So now they're trying to say, Oh, we need more college people. Let's make college free because you have to have a college degree to make any form of money. Mm It's like, then the next thing is going to come about. Like you're going to need a graduate degree. Graduate degrees aren't free basic colleges, your four degree is free, but now in order to be the, the specialist, you need to have a, a graduate program or become a professor or a masters or something like that. Right. So I think it's just another step along the way to where high school is already free. Your K through 12, you, you, we educate the kids. So now it's huh, educating them all the way through college. You have to get everybody through college because you'll lag and fall behind. So, I, that's where I think it's kind of going. You follow the trends of where it's kind of happening. Cause you already start to see some two year colleges are free. I think here in San Antonio, uh, the, if you want to go to the Alamo community colleges, you, the first two years are at no cost. So you're already starting to see that shift in the market. So I think that's kind of which direction it's heading.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think we go back to that. I, I think if you do anything for free, you know, it makes it that much harder to value it in my opinion but I, I agree you know who am i i'm just a weirdo
1: so i mean that's all the really topics i have for uh
0: well i month. wanted to actually talk about one more so bitcoin we talked about bitcoin last week uh latin two weeks ago it's been a roller coaster right it's been going up again People are getting into it. We've been talking about how much, you know, people are either getting into it because they're chasing that quick return. They feel they're going to become rich and you have the other ones that are getting into it because they believe that the government or fiat currency, the dollar, stuff like that. It's not reliable. It's going to shit. It's not going to work. So it's currently at, I believe it was like 19,000, something like that. And then it came back down and then it went back up. Well, you look all the way back into March and I think in March, it dropped like
1: 3,500 during the, when everything kind of crashed. Uh, it went with the stock market. It, I mean, all, all asset prices went down. Right. Uh, right at that crash. Cause everyone was covering their shorts and stuff like
0: that. So my point is my thing here is that, uh, my wife sent me an article about, Oh, visa or American, uh, ah, man, I can't remember which credit visa they're coming out with a credit card that is going to give you cash back in Bitcoin. So, the you know that one and a half percent cash back or whatever it is yeah. it's going to be in bitcoin and it's going to have a two hundred dollar a year uh fee uh, fee for her having the credit card i was like huh like to me things like that even though a lot of people are like all right and well it's important a major credit card company is starting to give you cash back in bitcoin one I think maybe your point that was a few weeks ago of saying, I think they're monetizing on the people that are thinking they're going to get rich quick, right? Yeah. That, uh, of how trendy Bitcoin has become, so they're like, look, people are just hungry for this crap. We don't give a damn how they get their cash back. You understand? They get their cash back. We don't care. So then they're monetizing. Yes, I think it's a genius marketing strategy. It's, like it's
1: dollar for dollar, whether the price of Bitcoin's to 20,000 or is 3000 it's like, it's a dollar that we're giving you back and it could drop. It could go up. It's whatever.
0: It doesn't matter. Right. What matters is that you're getting that cash back in but, Bitcoin. And, and I think with this rise that we've seen, it shows how much demand there is for Bitcoin yeah. that $200 a year, I think is going to go a long way for that company because oh, the I amount agree. of people that are going to get it just I for agree. that perk. But I mean, word to my point,
1: like, it's one more step to being this, a mainstream thing. That's going to start stabilizing the uh, price volatility of Bitcoin in in my opinion. It's like, that's why Bitcoin, I, I, it's not a currency per se because not a lot of people are using it as a currency, but the more and more and more economic uses that come out for it, I guess the way to be put it, like the more mainstream it becomes, the more, businesses that figure out ways to make money off of it using Bitcoin, like visa coming out with this stuff that it stabilizes it and be- makes it stay where it is as the, some form of digital asset that you can hold. Cause that's where a lot of people are saying it's like, they're not using it as a currency. They're using it as a form of a digital gold, uh, to where it's like a store of value that's out of the system and out of the control of the government per se.
0: And I think those are the two pools that we see, right? You have your digital gold, uh, replacement in a sense, along with, the people that are speculating, you know, your what's that app, um, Robinhood, yeah, right. All those people that purchase those apps and everything, so they can be investing in the stock market. Um, they're probably a lot of those people are probably buying into Bitcoin because of that. They're like, oh, you know, I can put a hundred dollars and look how much it's raised, and people yeah. are saying it's gonna go to fifty thousand. So yeah. you have a lot of that. So the I think what the what Visa is doing is genius. I think as far as spotting the trend and giving people what they want for $200 well, a year.
1: Valeria just puts, they also needed a new incentive because airline miles aren't <laughs> worth it anymore. Cause who knows how long for those come back? But well, yeah, I-
0: yeah. And I mean, a lot of people are converting those airline miles into, you know, gift cards and all this other shit, especially now because it's like, you know, people aren't going to be going anywhere. But before we wrap up, I wanted to touch on uh kind of hitting that topic of airlines and travel and everything. The vaccine. They're saying they're they're gonna be releasing the vaccine like now, right? They're saying yeah. in December it's coming out. It's I think gonna it's be like available. By December
1: fourteenth, they're gonna have twenty million doses available in the United States and uh how many, Texas, how many? twenty million. Twenty million. Uh Texas is gonna get one point four of those.
0: And I mean, I think that's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's great. I hope, uh, enough- UK has already approved it
1: Yeah, for yeah. Use. So I, the, I think the FDA meets, uh, Monday, I believe for approval. You think that's that- putting
0: pressure on the FDA being that saying like, fuck, you know, the UK already approved it and we're i think it would uh, for the
1: sense that oh we want some extra validations like yeah but pfizer's like well if you guys don't approve we're gonna send all these doses to the united oh Kingdom. pfizer's yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like we're gonna it sell it like do. if you got the stuff 100%. doesn't last forever it's like we're gonna put it out in the are gonna get it out in the economy and if they can vaccinize the uk like go for it so um, I, so i think that does put some pressure and, and on it
0: so now you have the vaccines coming out i was reading that uh first in line of the frontline workers frontline workers, which i mean to me is a no-brainer right I yeah mean, they're the your, ones your that your constantly doctor, exposed your doctors it, your
1: teachers your nurses they said school teachers as well um
0: so do you think people are going to take it because last time we looked at it well, well did we have like 40 percent of the population was yeah, saying no i i think at first no uh but i think kind of into the first
1: quarter next year it, the people are going to start taking it into uh, the first quarter yeah awesome. as it becomes more widely available um and now i think i just saw that uh, clinton bush and obama said they are willing to take it on camera i was like yeah i can get a sailing shot too on camera yeah uh, <laughs> yeah but I, I, I did i guess we'll take your word for it yeah you gotta take word for it but i think it is gonna like the mainstream media a i think you to
0: trump kind of what Bush, Obama, no, and I, I don't think, Clinton coming it. together and saying that and kinda of like saying, you
1: know No, I don't think it has anything do to, to Trump because Trump's the president that the administration that got it done in nine months or a year for a vaccine. Well you so, know, this is
0: probably gonna be credited to Biden now. Uh, probably. Know. Uh
1: who knows how the narrative's gonna switch. Yeah. But I do think back to the original question that I think by March, April, May, uh as it becomes more widely available, then media comes out and some people start taking unless there's a severe adverse reaction to it, uh then people are going to be like, "Oh, screw that. I, I I'm not taking that." Well, oh, isn't
0: that what the testing is for? I mean, there shouldn't be any ridiculous reactions that Should surprise them.
1: Yeah, exactly. But now that's once more people start taking it and they realize it's not that bad—that you don't grow a third leg or a second arm or you have severe problems. Some guys Uh, would be happy with growing a third
0: leg.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh come on, really? Come on, you. I I should have known you. You teed it up too well. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, we're going to be putting out. Uh, uh, but I think discretion. as more people
1: start taking it's going to be slow at first, but then as more people start taking it, the narrative changes, the news comes out, the economic news comes out, these people, the infection rates are starting to drop and they start personally knowing somebody that's taken the vaccine and they were fine. Uh, then I think you'll get this wave of people starting to take it and move into it to where we are talking where they say like the third quarter of next year the vaccines will be widely available uh to where anybody that wants one can get one to where as those things kind of come to a head that uh, you're, people you're saying
0: will... anybody that wants one my question is now is it going to become mandatory mm. is do you think companies are going to go as far as saying like hey if you want to keep your job you need this vaccine right if you want to get on a plane you need the vaccine if you want any particular thing, you're going to need the vaccine. Like it's going to become a part where you pretty much can't do most of your normal lives. If you don't have a vaccine, do you think it's going to be forced that way? If, because I mean, if
1: people, if people resist and don't take right. it and yeah. they're like, they have all these vials sitting here and the, 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 their testing rates, their hospitalizations are still going up. The deaths are still rising and stuff and nobody's right. wanting to take it. They're going to, I think that's when you will start to see people start to force it, but I don't, underestimate the power of the media and be able to switch a narrative especially with who they wanted to get into presidencies now in the presidency like i could see that narrative changing and because it it is good in what way
0: in what way like what? The, how amazing the vaccine is and don't worry about it you're great and all or this? just
1: switching the same like new cases are dropping uh economic regardless news, if people yeah.
0: take or don't take it
1: Oh no, people taking it and stuff like that. I think they'll switch the the narrative some way, shape or form to where if people don't want to take it, they'll start focusing on something else. So saying like, oh, hospitalizations are now dropping. But that's where I'm going at. If people
0: are not taking it, right? And the media wants to switch the narrative, then those people that don't want to take it are not going to, are going to not want to take it even more because it's like, all right, cool. Look, I didn't take it and shit is still dropping. So why am I going to? So... It, it, I'm saying as far well, they get as to that start, goes, they
1: get to start focusing on other things. Uh, obviously, like, the
0: media doesn't care; right? they, they're just going they for the eyeballs. ratings, right? But I'm saying like it doesn't fit the agenda. Of the virus is very deadly, right? So then it's like, well, it shouldn't. It's
1: very deadly to a certain subset of the population, which they aren't focusing on I'm, right now. I'm
0: saying, as far as the media and the, like the left are pushing it, I'm that's not what. Saying I'm, facts. Yeah, they're
1: pushing it now because they had, a, I believe, a political narrative behind it. They, they used it, right. they politicized it, but now they can switch that narrative to something else and start focusing on other things, and then this kind of falls off and nobody starts thinking about so it. So that's and where like, I'm going at. So, so you're
0: saying that they don't actually believe the virus is that dangerous, or they don't care that it's that dangerous. What they cared about is getting their seats and I think getting they their agenda. But they push. also
1: care the fact that they could use it, they could weaponize it to gain a political motive behind it. To where, as it changes, they need to to get. I mean, I believe whether either I side, believe. like they are, it's trying to get votes so they can maintain power. So now they u- used it to gain their narrative to push their candidate to the front, and now they want to show that their candidate's the one that brought us out of this. So now I think that's where things are going to shift and change, um, to try to gain more power and more votes and more people uh more support well, behind them
0: and valeria says that you know have to take it or lose their jobs most likely so i i would be interested to see those companies that come out in that regard of saying look yeah if I you see want to work
1: like a, a like an elderly care home places like because it is very dangerous like there's that there's so
0: f- a there those people were the first ones to go back uh-huh when the lockdown stopped the amount of people that they're like you know, everybody's in lockdown, except elder, uh, people that need to be in an elderly care home. Yeah. They're not on lockdown anymore. It's like, well, they're the ones a... that are most at risk.
1: Yeah. But they had, they had to be in a home. I as an elderly yeah, care it's home. Funny. But I could see things like that, the narrative changing from like, Oh my God, everyone's getting sick. But then they're saying like, yeah, but who's testing that's getting sick. Like, Cause it has a 0.001% death rate of anyone under 45 with no underlying conditions. I think they start switching it to saying like more focusing and targeting like, okay, we need to protect this subset of the group and people that interact with them need either those elderly need to get vaccinated and the people that are associated with them, but younger people, they don't, it's not that big a deal
0: for them anymore that's what i hope it is anyways i don't i I was about to say you're you're going off of common sense and nothing about this uh, virus or the way they've treated it has been any common sense currently
1: and that's just kind of i think of it from a strategy standpoint of who it benefits more in what way yeah so that's how i kind of look at it and see which route it's going to go all
0: right well there you have it folks um we promise next week we will be no, able to shh, don't promise anything i don't know what's going to happen next week we're going to try again and hopefully we just launch say, it has <laughs> nothing
1: to do with me it's all on that guy over oh there. look at you I just pushing here, the I... blame
0: pushing the blame i i moved my mic that's what i did to help yes that that is exactly that's all you did to help um <laughs> So I hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, again, if you guys find value out of this, just please share it. Let other people know. Subscribe. Give us a like. Uh, yeah, all, a all those things help us. This all the stuff, all the research, all the you know going live takes a lot of work, and uh, we appreciate you guys watching. We do it because you guys are enjoying it, and you keep showing up. Um, but we do appreciate the the shares and the subscribes and all of that. It shows a, a lot of love to our, to us and the work that we put putting in. So with that being said, I want to thank you all for watching and I will see you guys next week.